you guys, as you settle in, go ahead and get get arranged to where you can write and eat at the same time. So kind of position your uh, position your book and position your plate where you can fill in. We don't have as many blanks this, this time, but it's going to be a, a blast. Um, last week we talked about the the four faces, the the last two faces, the lover and the and the friend face. This week is really one um, that's that's kind of moving us into the reality of where we are. And on page ninety two, those those faces just really prove that we can't be one dimensional. We can't just be good at one area that, you know, I'm the warrior or I'm the, the king or I'm a great friend, but we really need to be all of those. And I would just encourage us to reflect back on those on a regular basis and just ask God, you know, what do you want to do in those areas of my life? Because here's the deal, those are within us. And we're not gonna we're not really gonna experience fulfillment and significance unless we're embracing those faces. So embrace the face, if you will. Uh, and this week, number two, is that those are the path of authentic manhood. We're going to look at the way that we really, really kind of tap into reality is to be aware of the different seasons, the different seasons of life. Because here's the deal. When you're 20s, 40s, 70s, um, it's, it's different with what we're facing, the questions we're asking, and really where we are in life, and, and being not only aware of those, but how do we really capture those seasons of life that, that are going to make that difference? And the key, the key idea there is to reverse engineer. And what that means very simply, if you're not familiar with that term, is start with the end in mind. Where do I want to end up as a husband? Where do I want to end up as a father, as a friend, as, as a, with my career? Where do I want to end up and reverse engineer that? Begin with the end in mind. And here's one of the greatest uh, encouragements. Examine the lives of godly men who have been before us or go before us. Try to identify those men who are are literally succeeding in, in, in the future. Um, one of the greatest examples I had was in our couples group when we first got married, the couple that led the group. They just had these incredible kids. He had this great balance. He was a, a, a doctor and a surgeon, but he had a great balance in his life. And man, I just... I'd pummel him with questions all the time, like, how did, you, how did your kids turn out this way? And what did you do? And how do you balance this? And to have somebody like that is monumental. So examine godly lives. And let me just, in the margin here, you can write this one down. If you want a great, small, simple book to read uh, that really gives an incredible story, and that is the book of Ruth, the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, and Boaz, there's so many layers to it. It's become one of my favorite books to just see what a man looks like and how he balances and how he puts on all those faces. Is That's just a great biblical example. So number two, there's a power of mentorship. And we're about to look through these different seasons of life, but I want us to realize uh, it's not just about being mentored, but being a mentor and being a uh a contemporary in those ways because men, somebody who's already experienced that or someone that is about to experience that we can help out because we're on both both parts of that. The top of the next page, anticipate, and this is, this is probably the area that was one of the most challenging and encouraging to me because I, I have done a crappy job at anticipating transitions. And I look back on my life when I turned 20, I did okay, 30... I, I, didn't, I wasn't prepared. 
and I didn't know what to look for. And then I got to 40, and I again, it was almost like, I don't know if you've ever driven a straight shift, but kind of changing gears without getting the clutch just right. It was it was more grinding and just, okay, there it is. And and that's how I felt. And, and now I'm thinking, okay, if it's wise to have a plan for those major transitions. And that's just been one of the revelations for me. And, and that plan would be really the law of the harvest, to realize that we reap what we sow. And if you look down at those two bullet points there, it really is true. We, root, we reap more than we sow, and we reap in a different season than we sow. So what I'm planting now, what I'm doing in my life now, is going to affect the next season and, and redeem that. Um, last night I shared this, and as we go through these seasons, we're going we're gonna to kind of fill in the blanks. We're going to talk through them. I wanted to just give a personal example of that, not only the transition, but the reality of looking forward and the planting and the sowing. Yesterday, November 4th, do you remember where you were November 4th, 2016? Do you remember where you were? Probably not. Boating somewhere? Probably? Yeah. Um, I will never forget it because there are going to be moments in life that are just monumental. And uh, yesterday was the two-day anniversary of uh, a really cool scar that I got from here to here. Uh, I was in the hospital having open-heart surgery two years ago. And two years ago was the day that the doctor would tell me two weeks later that I should not be alive anymore. So every day is a bonus. And literally, I, I so look forward to this. And it is a bonus. And every day is a bonus. And it really kind of skewed my mind in the best way. It shifted my mind to seeing life differently. And one of those differences was what am I, what am I gathering and what am I passing on? And uh, I, I, just a really quick example of this, I, my daughter's a cancer survivor, and several of the, the, the families that we met in that journey in life um, were just, had become great friends. A couple of the kids didn't make it through that journey, and I'll never forget being at one of the funerals, and it was another moment where God just nailed me between the eyes. The father did the eulogy, and I'm sitting in there going, there's no way. There's no way I could do that. But what he said was so impactful. He said, you know, several of, of you very meaningfully and very heartfelt have told us, I'm so sorry that your daughter passed away. He says, but I'm here to tell you, my daughter did not pass away. She passed on. She passed on joy to every other kid in that hospital that came along. She passed on hope to everybody around her. She passed on. He went through this list, and I was just like, Wow, I still get chills thinking about it. And and God hit me between the eyes. Ken, are you are you passing away or are you passing on? And which are you doing? And I just, that changed everything. That moment changed everything. And it's one of the reasons why when Marcus told me about this, I've been literally for the last two years, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm open. I want more balance. I, I love what I do for a living. I love performing, and that's just a blast. But I'm like, Lord, as you raise up opportunities to pass on, I, I'm in. I'm in. And so when Marcus called me about this, I said, not only do I want a better clarity of what manhood is, the opportunity we can get together and pass on to each other. I'm like, dude, this is, this is an easy yes. I'm, I'm all in on that. So as we look at this, we're going to go through these seasons, but I want you to think about not only... What season am I in? Which is, which is great. But I want you to pay attention to the ones you're not in. Specifically, if there's some behind you 
Uh, if you're if you're a, a dad and you have kids, pay attention to that one and say, okay, that season, that's what my kids are going to go through. That's what my sons are going to go through. The ones I'm in, man, let it be the clarity. Yep, those are the questions I'm asking. How do I get that? And the ones beyond, be thinking about guys that you're, you're down the road a little bit. Take note of these. So when you're bumping into those in another season, be able to say, hey, these are the questions they're asking. And, and validate them. And yep, I was asking those questions and... Man, here's some here's some landmines you can avoid because I stepped on them and uh, I've been in them. So that's it's a great opportunity because we all need and we can all meet needs in this. So without that, the spring of the year, ages zero to twenty, this is the season men comes to term with his identity, identity, who he is. The key to this stage is transitioning to adulthood well. He must grow up. And for the, for the young men in that, in that area, I, I can tell you one of the most powerful phrases I learned. I love to coach basketball. And I always tell the, the parents, I love middle school basketball. Little kids were fun. That's kind of organization, teaching them the basics. At high school was great. College, I felt like I was beyond my, uh, my ability to help. But man, middle school. Because I knew the game enough and they wanted to learn it. But I learned, I told the parents every year, I said, listen, I love basketball. I win more than I lose as a coach. But my job is to teach your sons to become a man. And I use basketball to do that. And I'm telling you the number one phrase I love, that teachers would come down. Middle schoolers, I mean, you know middle schoolers. They're kind of hormonally out of whack and they're going 90 different directions. And I would see these young men come in and within weeks... um, they were, they were to the point disciplined. They, were, they would be able to warm up on their own. And I'd teach them this, this warm-up. It's a very simple warm-up where you pass to a partner. You dribble, you guard, protect, and you go and you shoot. And, and it's, it's very basic. And they, learn, they can learn it in three minutes. But I said, here's the deal, guys. Communication is critical in basketball. So every time. How, can somebody define every time for me? They're like, eh, every time. Every time you pass the ball, you say their name. Because we need to get in the habit of communicating. Well, they'd go through it and maybe say it once, and then they wouldn't say the names. And at the end of the drill, I'd say, okay, everybody on the baseline. I said, guys, how many of you said the other guy's name every time? And like two hands went up. And I'm like, okay, I'm so sorry. I did not communicate that well. Um, Every time means every time. So here's what I learned. I read a study that physical pain heightens awareness and memory. So we're going to run what's called a gut drill. Do you guys know what a gut drill is? And I explained, you run here, 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 here. And you got to do it in this amount of time, touch the lines with both hands. You're going to do that, and I'm going to figure out how to communicate this better. And they run, and they get back, and I'm like, okay, we're going to do it again. And you're going to say their name how many times? Every time. Great. And they do it, and they get on the baseline. And I say, how many of you said it every time? And like four hands out of 15 go up. And I'm like, guys, I apologize. I am a professional communicator. And I am failing to communicate this to you. So Coach and I are going to talk, and we're going to run two gut drills this time so that we can heighten our awareness even more. And they're running gut drills, and they get back after the second one, and they're screaming at each other, man, just say the name, man, just say the name. We don't want to run all day. And, and all of a sudden, it became important. But the piece I really loved to communicate to them was they would start just going into what we call rec ball, where everybody's just running every direction. Everybody's looking out for themselves. They're not doing what we're teaching them. And I blow the whistle and stop them. I say, guys, I understand. Uh, You're not really old enough 
yet to run this the way it's meant to be run. And uh, I understand you're 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 in middle school. You're still kind of in that wreck, uh, little boy mindset. But let me show you. Let me show you real quick what men do in this situation. And we're going to walk through what men do, and then you're going to have to decide: Are you going to be a little boy, or are you going to be a man? And and it's up to you. It's your choice. And can I tell you that attention just went through the roof? And and they didn't talk, but they're just like, oh, I'm going to be a man. You know, and, and, and it just it just speaks to that heart. And when we do that in this stage of realizing, you know what, I'm here to help you transition into who you were meant to be as a man. The key questions they're asking is, who am I? Am I a boy or am I a man? And who am I not? What am I not going to do as much as what am I going to do? The, the next season is out of summer. And summer is a is a very unique time. It's the, the 20s to 40s, but there's a potential danger in the 20s. And the danger we've talked about before, and that is getting lost in an extended adolescence. It's not the option for an authentic man. That idea of not growing up, depending on somebody else to take care of my responsibilities and needs. It's also handling sexual energy properly. That area in our 20s and 30s is either going to be a friend and and an equal great fulfillment, or it is going to be an enslaving master and destroy us. It really is that simple. When my sons hit that adolescent age and uh, they started getting more mature, now they are in this phase. Uh, When they were young, I planted this seed, and we had just gone camping. And I said, guys... uh, do you remember when we went camping? Yeah. I said, how, what do we, how do we make a fire? He said, well, he, he told us to go get sticks and logs, and we got sticks, and, I, and we put them in that ring, and we started with the little ones, and you started a fire. I'm like, absolutely. I said, and, and it was awesome, because we cooked hot dogs, and we cooked s'mores, and it was awesome. I said, what would have happened if instead of saying, hey, go get some sticks and bring them back and uh, bring, bring different sizes, what if I just gave you some matches and I said, hey, go light some sticks? Just go light a bunch of sticks. What would happen? Like, That's crazy. You, you'd burn down the forest. I'm like, exactly. I said, that is sex. In, in the ring where it was designed to be, it is everything good. But if you take it out of that ring, it will destroy everything it touches. And it just left this impression on them to the point where they're like, wow. To reconcile that in their 20s has been... It's been fun to watch that they are very countercultural with their approach in their mindset there. So here's the major opportunity of the 20s are threefold. The major opportunity is to learn, to learn, and to learn. That's what the 20s are about. Learn what, learn what I'm, I'm meant to be. Learn what I'm good at. Learn what I'm, how to deal with failure. But here's the great part. The key questions of the 20s. What... Do I want out of life? What do I want out of life? Uh, Where will I distinguish myself professionally? How am I different from my parents? I love that one. I remember that thought in my 20s. My dad was an aeronautical engineer. I'm like, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a technical person. And and differentiating, what do I really believe? They're going to start owning their faith. They're going to decide, I really believe this or I don't. What skills do I need to develop? 
around what person or conviction will I organize my life? Those are the questions that are coming up, and especially those who, of us who are going to connect with those who are in their 20s and younger. It's to realize not only are those the questions they're asking, those questions are in every question they do ask. It's at the core of them. The major opportunity of the 30s, well, if learning is the 20, the major opportunity of the 30s. Anybody in here in their 30s? Who's in their 30s? Awesome, awesome. <laughs> That's great. Thank you very much. And that is growth. Growth. We're either going to grow in, in good or bad. We're either going to become workaholics and bad habits, or we're going to connect and we're going to develop good habits. It's, it's the opportunity to grow. The key word to remember during our 30s, oh, is margins. Margins or balance is the word I would use. Without margins, relationships are compromised. In the, the white space below that, I want to encourage you to write down this, this matrix. When I was in my 30s, one of my good buddies out in Phoenix, Arizona, we would get together two or three times a year, and we're talking about this. How do you balance? He was literally, he had started up a printing company, and he was helping with his daughters, and we got wives, we got church, we got all that. I'm like, dude, how do you balance? He says, you know what? I was asking uh, one of my friends, and he was talking about a friend who was in his 50s. He's like, dude, how, how do I do this? And the guy gave him a grid, a, a three-question grid. And he shared it with me, and I'm telling you, every decision, big and small, this grid works. It's simply this. Ask the question, is it the right time, is it the right amount of energy, and is it the right thing? And he says, if it lines up, he says, because a lot of times, man, this is the right thing, and it's the right amount of energy, but it's not the right time. Or it's the right time, and it's the right thing, but it's too much energy i got to put into it right now. He says, if all three line up, it, it's a yes. And he said, I've been really surprised that sometimes where my, he told me, his daughter said, hey, Dad, can you come to this practice? And he's thinking, man, i got this major project and I've got to do that. But he said, I would go through the grid. Is it the right time? Well, it's definitely the right thing. It's with my daughter. It's a practice. It's going to last an hour. That's definitely the right amount of energy. And, uh, and, he, and then he said, you know what? The right thing, the right time. You know what? I, I can go to that practice. I can get back. I can finish up what I need to do and get it there by the deadline. So it is the right thing, right time, and the right amount of energy. Then he said, I would have normally been overwhelmed by the project. And just made it an automatic no. He said, but by putting it through that grid, I realized, yeah, I can leave what I'm doing right now and do that because it's all right. And that, that grid has helped me tremendously. In, in immediate questions, my wife will ask me, can you do this? And I take that quick assessment. Is this a, it's the right thing? Yes. Is it the right time? Yes. Is it the right amount of energy? You know what? I can do that. I will. Yes. And if it's not, I feel totally confident going, you know what, I'd love to do it, but I can't do it right now. Key questions of the 30s. How do I prioritize the demands made on my life? Have I allowed enough time for a spiritual life and an authentic relationships? Those are the two biggies that the 30s will be answering. Have, do I have this balance? And then the 40s through the 60s. The fall of life. There can be a great 
harvest in this in this season. A key question is that the 40s to 60s are asking, have I achieved everything I wanted to? Wow. Do I have dreams that are are unfulfilled? Can I can my mistakes be redeemed? Are my accomplishments fulfilling? And I I totally validate those questions. Uh, I know not only have I, but as I've gone through those, there's a really good chance if you're in this season, one of those questions is going to kind of jump out at you. And I would encourage you, find a contemporary, find somebody older, and, and, and unpack it. Because that's where, where God's really going to work. The major dangers of this season is a midlife crisis. It's an unfulfilled dream that, that was out of balance. Or maybe it's a regret that we feel like can't be redeemed. And, and one of the tragedies I see is an escape that, and an attempt to relive a previous season that's already gone by just for the sake of reliving it. Um, I, I love, and I don't know who this guy is, David uh, Le, Le, Levinson, calls men between this age the dominant generation. And if you're in this generation, if you're in that 40 to 60 range, realize that we are literally in our families, in our communities, in our churches, we are determining the trajectory of those who are behind us and determining that by what we're living and how we're pouring into others. So just by being here, you guys are making a major, major step. And then I would say 60s and beyond, I love this group of guys, marked by wisdom, experience, and respect. And I would encourage us, and if I don't know that there's anybody, there's a couple that might be in here that are in that phrase. I want you to make a special note of this number two. The greatest danger of this season is for, for men that are in this season to buy the lie that they can no longer contribute. I can say this, we, we need them contributing. We need them to look. And I challenged a bunch last night, and I would challenge you if you're in this stage this morning, to, to start making yourself available. Uh, when you meet guys that are on the track behind you, make it available. Meet them. Take the initiative. Go, hey, uh, I see you around. Here it is. If I can ever help. You ever want to grab coffee or lunch or breakfast? Man, I'm a great sounding board. And I tell them, go ahead and tell them. I've made more mistakes than you even know how to make. And I'd be glad to help you avoid some of those. Because that is invaluable to those of us that are, are behind. It really is. Um, so here's the deal. The major opportunity of that season is take advantage of your flexibility. Your flexibility. Now I've got a very fun and a very kind of cool conclusion, but here's what I want you to do. Flip over to that next page to the discussion. And that first question, I, I want us to just kind of go around the table and, and just say, hey, I'm... You know, here's, here's who I am. I'm this, this old, and I'm in this season of life. And then answer that question of, you know, what would you advise a younger man who's about to enter your current phase? What would you recommend to them to do? And then go through the other two questions. And we've got, we've got about 20 minutes to do that. And then I'm going to wrap up uh, kind of the whole piece. So go around, ask those questions. Um, there is a little bit more food there if you want to take a two-minute break and go uh, indulge and, and try to uh, master gluttony. 
uh, you can go over and do that. But uh, grab that, and then uh, we'll jump back here and wrap it up. You're free to stick around afterwards if you want to. Uh, one piece I want to tell you about the book. If there was one week that you might have missed, I want to encourage you. Uh, we discovered this. I discovered it. In the very back of the book, there's an answer key. You can get fill in all the blanks that you didn't fill in. <laughs> it was much better being live here, though, than just filling them in and being blank. Um, I hope you've had a great time this. I I just got to be transparent and say this has been a highlight of my week. Uh, even though I'm traveling, I think I only came from home one time. I, I was on the road doing different shows, speaking different places. But man, this is this hasn't been a oh I go to Cincinnati again. This has been like oh good, I just to get to get to go be with the guys. And uh, this has been a huge huge blessing to me. Um, we are looking at potentially doing one in the first quarter of next year. I want to. I, I really would love, and I'm, it's so funny. Last night I said, you know, John will probably send you a, a, a survey or something afterwards. And then John walks out with these pieces of paper already done, because that's John. He is the great anticipator. But if you would fill that out before you leave and just leave it here on the podium, that would be huge as well. But I want to encourage you, just that what we just went through is not something academic. It is something that is perpetuating. And I would encourage you just to, to realize this is something that we are in a discovery of who we are as men. It's not about doing it perfectly. It's not about knowing about it completely. It's about letting God make it real and, and fulfilled in our lives. And um, I actually put this together. Um, one, I want to read this quote in a second. But as I looked at this whole week, I thought, you know what? I want a bookmark. And uh, I ended up titling it The Man Card. Because we hear about, hey, you got to turn in your man card. Well, what is that? So the man card, and it's just got an overview of what we've gone through here. It's uh, And there's even typos on it because I did it, and that's the way I am. Uh, as, as a man, we are made in God's image to create and cultivate. That was the first week. We're designed by God as men to reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, invest eternally. We were meant to discover the full the and fulfill the faces of manhood of a king, a warrior, a lover, and a friend. And then when I travel, I don't know how you are when you get into your regular day, your everyday life, whether that's sitting in traffic or going and dealing with every day, but there's one verse that I think encapsulates every part that we've gone through. And uh, I just put it at the bottom here. It's Ephesians 4.2. Live a life worthy of this calling. And it says, be completely humble. And humble is not putting ourselves down, it's putting ourselves under. We are the king of our domain, but it's putting ourselves under the king to empower us to do it. Be completely humble and gentle. And when I see that word gentle, I really do think of that warrior face that we talked about, a warrior that is so prepared. I think of the meekness of Christ, complete power under complete control. And and to, to fulfill that, and it says, and be patient, I think there's... There's nothing more um, engaging than a friend that is just there with you to patiently walk with you and bearing with one another in love. And that, that foundation of, man, when I'm at home, when I'm with my friends, when I'm with my, I want to be that, that love. I want to be love. 
and uh, let God do that. So that verse is at the bottom, but on this side is one of my favorite quotes of all time. And I think it just really solidifies the fact that as we go through these, it's not about being perfect. It's about being perpetual. It's about keeping it moving. I would encourage you to put this somewhere where instead of grabbing your phone 14 times an hour, grab your phone 13 times an hour and grab this one time an hour. Just look at that. Lord, how how am I doing? What do you want to in, just enlighten me in this today? What do you what do you want to do that today? And you can take one of these or a couple of these and uh, you can take them and maybe even sit down with a friend and go, hey, this is what I just went through. What do you think about this? Which one are you? And they're up here on this. Um, it's two-sided. You, you can take as many as you want. But Theodore Roosevelt, in April 23rd of 1910, over 100 years ago, wrote this. He gave this speech. And I think it's just the perfect example. And I, I love coming back to it. It simply says this. It's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who actually does strive to do the deed, who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with the cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. And to me, that is just the man creed right there. Who, who's willing to get in the arena? Who's willing to, to sweat and get cut and keep moving and realize that in God's economy especially, failure is never final. It is part of the process to fulfillment. So keep doing what you're doing. And it, is, it has been a joy to, uh, to get up with you guys uh, during these last several weeks. And I really look forward to crossing paths again. So if you would fill those out, feel free to take a couple of these if you want them. Uh, the, the man card. And uh, let me just... Uh, Harold, will you just wrap us up in prayer for this? Will you do that for us?